Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. I'm going to beat your body with your own skull. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 510, Past Life, is brought to you by The Time Loop. Let's do it again. Pete, before we dive on in, breaking news. No, wait, Pete. It's not breaking news that Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returns in four weeks on Friday, March 2nd. Uh, I feel like I heard that before. Where did I, where did I read that, Pete? Fantasticgeek.com three weeks ago. Yeah. So there was definitely some, some um, shall we say, some, some muted surprise amongst people who doubted us, and no surprise to all the real fans out there, because we did the due diligence, we read the tea leaves. Pete, I'm going to give two arms up that I'm a seer when it comes to stuff like that. Too soon, Matt. Way too soon. <laughs> Well, in that little break that we have uh, coming, Pete, I know you're not an Olympics guy. I am, although obviously much less muted for real-world decisions. We won't be podcasting the Olympics, though, although we will continue to podcast Star Trek Discovery uh, later this uh, th- this weekend or the beginning of uh, you know beginning of uh, the week, you know, because it's Super Bowl time, and the week after that, and a season one wrap-up. Pete, before you know it, we'll be talking more Shield. And uh, in the interim, any movies on the horizon? Yes, we'll be hitting up Black Panther uh, in about two weeks. And before you know it, Matt, S.H.I.E.L.D. will be back. And then Jessica Jones will be on for season two. So lots to look forward here as the calendar has flipped to February. The buzz on Black Panther is that it has goodwill and hype and, and energy surrounding it equal to a more mature property, a Star Wars, an Avatar, that kind of thing. Um, yes, it's an MCU movie, so it's not like, Pete, what is this mysterious thing coming out of, uh, what's his name, the the Creed director? Um, you know, this wave has been a long time coming, but tons of anticipation there, tons of anticipation for S.H.I.E.L.D. returning, tons of anticipation for Star Trek Discovery. Are you ready to get into this episode, Pete? Let's do it. When we catch you up on what went down, our teaser match begins as Zephyr One lands at the lighthouse. The doors close, the ramp comes down, and there are flashlights ascending the ramp. Is this our agents? Nope, it is Cassius going on up. Pete, okay, he did not find last week's sponsor funny, all right, Sonara Sticks. There she is, still Deet. Hellsec, who is his uh, his new number two. Or 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 Hexel. Hexel, Hellsec. Pete, it's all Hellsec Sexel connected. Um, but he's ready to tear apart the ship, which is a rather interesting point to take us to the title card. The um Tease and tag to this episode, frankly, Matt, were flat. Yes, and I think that it's okay to say that with love. To say anything else, uh, maybe it wasn't, or to say anything else, maybe you're saying it for, for other reasons. But yeah, it didn't quite have the normal juice. Bad guys are coming to get the good guys. That's the, that's the hook at the end of the scene. Eh, 
But Pete, we get that title card. Take us to S.H.I.E.L.D., the transport box. Well, we have our agents here in a different darkened hallway, all clear. Cree is searching for them. They're searching for life forms. Back on Zephyr 1, Enoch squeezes his way out of the wall. Uh, he walkies Coulson and company. His diversion seems to have worked. They're still searching the ship. The machine will be online by the time Flint builds the monolith. Um, Wait, Pete, is that like an episode countdown? It's kind of like that. But listen, Pete, I'm still a little confused, though. Can you give me maybe another scene where I can get more recap? Because I'm still not clear. Well, May may be able to help you there, Matt, because Robin said that Flint can rebuild the monolith. So who are we to argue with Shields, Seer. This is true, and Deke gets that recap. Pete, Deke is the audience here. Tess mentions right about then that there are more dead, not dead, in humans, uh, though Mac does poo-poo this uh, a bit, and Yo-Yo is ready to find them, which had me concerned, Pete. that To me, that was the most emotionally potent through line through this episode. Oh, no, what's going to happen to Yo-Yo? which is a little ironic because it's not quite yo-yo, but it is, but it isn't. More on that in a bit. Yes, Tess had heard someone else go through uh, the same pain that she did when she was brought back. Was this another inhuman? The question abounds there. And Tess is trying to pump up uh, Flint that a few days ago he was begging for spare mushrooms, and now he's about to save the world. Indeed, Coulson reminds his team, uh, do your job. We can save future humanity. And don't worry, Deke, we will kill Cassius, I think. So, Pete, if nothing else, we're getting some clear direction on where the episode is headed here. Tess says goodbye to Flint. Um, A bit ironic because it's not the final goodbye. Uh, And Mac and Flint separate in one direction while Yo-Yo and Tess go in the other. Pete, take us to Dr. Doctor. Well, Cassius is there for Sonara, Matt, at least her corpse. But the doctor informs him that she can't be brought back. Human biology is so simple, Matt. It allows for that to happen. Uh, but it cannot happen with a Cree. And not liking that answer, he properly shoots that doctor. Indeed, the doctor gets blued all over the wall. Can't anyone save Sonara? Uh, that's the line, or, or words to that effect. I suppose that is the first clue that Cassius has now gone off the rails mentally. Um, his, uh, his number two brings papers from Robin, and uh, that confirms that the agents are going to try and go back. Cassius adds a wrinkle. Of course, they need to go back. They need to destroy the world. And this is the first, maybe it's not the first hint there's a time loop, but this is the first time in this episode that they're really, really committing to the idea that there is a loop that is trouble. Yeah, that from their perspective, they have yet to crack open the world, our agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. here, and that the word of his seer's mouth confirms this. So this character, Matt, of Ty, 
Cassius uh, explains he's never seen the earth as it was. Cassius's father called it a hidden blue gem. He and his confederacy wanted it for their own. Um, and uh, we're told the remaining inhumans are barely trained. But uh, Cassius's family had a tradition, Matt. Uh, you know about tradition, right? Pete, I know that there's lots of important tradition, including keeping those monuments to the Cassius family confederacy. Don't let them get taken down, Pete. Otherwise, otherwise there'll be trouble. And uh, that's that's trouble is in Cassius's eyes here. Yeah. And when all is lost, Matt, and when someone pulls down your Cree confederacy uh, monuments as well, they should. Um, when all is lost, you die with honor. You drink the odium. There's a brilliant flash and you burn up in, uh, absolute anger. And with that, he shoves it into Ty's mouth and tells him to go fight until his last moment when his heart bursts with rage and act. Ty, you're fired. Berserker. Act two, Pete. Let's spend some time talking mano a mano flint. And Mac talking about motorcycles. Yeah, you dig it. You want to see it? Um, you want to live with Mac and Yo-Yo, make a family? Pete, this was another moment in an episode that I would say was not perfect. This was a moment where you see in Henry Simmons's Mac the haunted nature behind his eyes, you know, missing that child, albeit from the framework, but missing it nonetheless, mis- missing her nonetheless. And uh, Mac, Mac ready to make a family again. And I think in retrospect, it uh, makes us dislike that tag scene even more because we're holding out hope that Flint's going to get to see this past, see motorcycles and things like that. And instead, he unceremoniously gets left at the end of the episode. Could he eventually wind his way into the past to or even their present in a modified version of it? Of course, but here we're just kind of left flat. Yeah, uh, particularly as Flint says no to the family dynamic. Um, simultaneous, well, I mean not simultaneous, right after that, Fitzsimmons arrives to remind everyone that they're making a portal with a shard. I want you to be really clear. This is the shard. We're going to make a portal. Pardon me, not a portal. Like, I guess it is a portal, but you know, make the, make the monolith. Cut to Coulson Team Bravo taking out Inhumans, or pardon me, taking the Inhumans, spilling a lot of Cree blood. That's easy, Pete. Ty arrives. He takes four or five blue bullets and several daisy punches. Pete, that's why her powers are still on pause. It's not convenient for the story. Well done, DJ Doyle writer. Yes, he's been freed here. He feels no pain. Um, and once Daisy is able to put him down, she quips that it turns out they have PCP in space. Hey, say, say, I like too how uh, she offs him with a knife right at the moment that Colson wakes up from having been thrown on the ground. A little, you know, little hand of the writer there, said with love. We love you, Shield. Um, we even love you when you're not imperfect, like parts of this episode. Elsewhere, Tess meets up with Deke, uh, the latter of which is really charming as he tell her that she looks good for dead, not dead. Pete, it's like a romantic comedy, except she's dead, not dead. 
and their shared background here that death changes you certainly a harbinger of some things later in the episode tess heads her separate way and Cassius is discussing the plan here and what has failed he's decided here to pledge his self to give his father everything to elevate the Cassius family name it's his path back to glory and by his seer's knowledge uh this is run dry that or she matt a female seer has misled them there's just a little bit too much monologuing in this episode this is one scene of it um, I get that it's under the premise of Cassius is not accepting Sonara's death and he's slowly coming unhinged. Um, but this is this is one of the scenes where it's just kind of like, maybe some of the other ones are dialogue, not monologue, but it's just kind of talk, 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 and not a lot happens as a result of that talk. Um, nonetheless, as you mentioned, Pete, his seer is, uh, it, perhaps her visions have run dry. Maybe she's not playing nice. Um Either way, it's time for him to use her to send a message. We cut to Yo-Yo on the hunt for rattling chains. Will it be a ghost rider? No. She enters a room of a chained woman, Pete. Is it going to be the seer? Pete, give us the dramatic reveal. It's herself. It's good to see you as we head into that act break. Is this a trick, Matt? Uh, what what is the situation here? Is this an LMD? Is this a framework uh, trick? All these things are shot down. Um, they've killed her, uh, this older, uh, more tortured yo-yo, over and over again. They've brought her back. They've taken her blood, her DNA. This is brutal. Indeed it is, and and we get more... Hints here, um, Max, sweet Mac, hold on, to, hold on to him while you can. Uh, Elena, who, for, for my mind, Pete, we have Yo-Yo, who is the present version, and Elena, who is the future version. Oh, I um, have different names for him. We have uh, Yo-Yo, who is the present version, and I have Ono, who is the version who's been around to see all these horrible things. <laughs> Regardless, the uh, the later one talks of the loop Yes, they make it back. Then they make this happen. And this gets um, repeated a couple of times. Uh, and, and then we get this notion that uh, that uh, she was reaching for Mac and she was on fire. So visions of the future, kind of like we saw with, uh, with some of the Lincoln stuff a few seasons ago. But again, it is repeated. The loop can't be stopped. And though this is an imperfect episode... There's no debating that they double down on saying you're going to get what you want, which is the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents get home, but that doesn't make it any better. In fact, that's going to make it maybe not worse, but the fact that they aren't able to change anything, that's the bad news. And for her to be uh, armless, resigned to this fate, really uh, driving home the idea that things are pun intended here, Matt, set in stone. Meanwhile, Enoch has uh, gotten things uh, together here, but he's been located. 
Uh, he shoots a guy through the door and calculates he has about 12 minutes that he can hold them off. Great Enoch scene, particularly assuming that we've seen the last of him, although I guess there's some timey-wimey bits where we can still see him, right? Because he's still alive for all of the 90 years previous, so if the agents get back to earlier, they can still see him, right? Does that make sense? That's the rules I need of an travel. infographic to understand all of this time travel. Enoch runs from 32,000 years ago until whatever the year is, 2190, when is, you know, whatever the year is, and he exists for all those years. So if they go back in time, they will see younger Enoch. Um, That's the least complicated of any of this. <laughs> he, it's, okay, listen. Enoch is um, Marty McFly's mother. Okay, we see Enoch at the end, you know, later in life, in the future. They can still go back to see Who's young Uncle Enoch. Joey? Uncle Joey is Brett Dalton, who they locked out of the series despite trying four different ways to keep oh, him on. That hurts my heart. It hurts my heart too, Pete. Um, I am able to separate the fact that Brett Dalton is not Grant Ward. Um, but uh, nonetheless, um, someone needs to get to him to protect the machine. Cut to Deke, who's ready to make the sacrifice himself. He's ready to go mano a crio, Pete. Uh, Deke told his parents not to believe in this roach trap fairy tale. He argues with Daisy there, um, and the discussion comes back around. He calls her a hero that the world needs, that person who needs to make it home. Um, he just tells her, try not to destroy it when she does. We have Fitz, we have Simmons with Flint and Mac, and Simmons is helping to guide uh, Flint into how to reform the monolith, that it's a composite. There might be some elements of limestone in there that he'd be able to bring it together, you know, using the not force. He can reach out and search with his feelings. He knows it to be true. The stones have sister stones and he will find them by the way pete want to point out that this scene of uh, well that you've just described it happens without any time having gone by since the last time we were with flint and fitzsimmons thanks the magic of editing um we are promised that uh if he just gets more limestone and other stuff they'll be able to recreate this because they're going to get him the limestone and the other stuff too uh, we get a quick Cree attack, putting the old foot on the gas pedal of the story. Fitz fires a garrot wire mechanism, beheading three Cree. Then Pete, remember what I said about the magic of editing a second ago? Back mm -hmm. to Yo-Yo and Elena, where time hasn't gone by either, thanks the magic of editing. Yes, we are now in the patented part of a S.H.I.E.L.D. episode where we intercut two scenes um of course i feel like we need i know i know we've done 98 this is the 98th episode right yes i know that we've done 98 agents of shields but i think that we need to have some sort of catchphrase when there's intercutting like you say now it's time for the patented <laughs> and i say intercutting and you say of scenes on and i say agents of shield we'll, we'll work that out you know over the four i think we just did <laughs> well there we go so pete take us back to the Intercutting of scenes on shield. 
So of course, uh, Ono wants to help Yo 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 Ono Yono here, uh, but again, things seem as if they are stuck and must happen. There's this helplessness that she remembers his choices. And we refer to both Mac and Colson when it comes to those choices. And while that's happening, Matt, we intercut to Daisy Colson and may, and suddenly Daisy is not going to go with them. If there's a chance she is the cause She's not going to go. What I find interesting is I understand that there is a Colson-Daisy connection that goes all the way back. I know that that also mirrors the connection that the two actors have. and It's all lovely. And Daisy, of course, is the most changed in these 98 episodes. Let's not forget, Pete, that I was calling for her removal from the series in the early episodes, saying she's the piece that doesn't fit, etc., etc. Um all of that nonetheless taken into account, they seem to have pretty solid proof that Daisy did this. And I feel like if she's going to offer to sacrifice herself, isn't that, I mean, let's just do the math, Pete. It's like that psychological experiment, you know, would you push one person on the train tracks to save a whole bunch of people or whatever the exact psychological experiment is, um, isn't doesn't it make sense keep daisy here save billions of people like yeah that hurts but i feel like it's a little not colson to be like no we're two good friends we can't do this at the same time the attachments that they've developed feel entirely like these characters so i think it's a little bit of both matt plus the idea of you can't prevent it from happening character intent on doing something to prevent it from happening. And somehow it still happens. This is where they should have just confronted Dormammu. <laughs> exactly. Um, with Yo-Yo here telling uh, herself that they make it all back, uh, that they get home and they fought it, but no matter how much they fought it, the closer the destruction of the world came. Uh, so Daisy wants this to stop today, uh, but Coulson, uh, his, his job is never done. He, he says that they go on. Um, Yo-Yo explains that uh, save him, whoever he is, Mac, Coulson, both, neither. Um, but Daisy has been trained to fight. Coulson confirms May did that. But now she's making her stand. And Coulson says he needs her to lead. And then he leads by shooting her. This portion of photography, perhaps writing, I don't think so. This portion of the photography of it, I take big exception to. Daisy says she's an agent. She's ready to fight here. Coulson then takes two steps away. He's being shot um, mid-range, so kind of from the above the tummy on up, you know, like rib cage on up. But you can see by his body language he's drawn a gun. I mean, it's not up yet, but it's kind of like if you want it to be a surprise, do a close-up on Coulson's face so I don't see 
body motion that might be him drawing a gun. Like to mm-hmm. me, it was fairly obvious he drew a gun. Then he raises it and shoots her to stun her. I would have much preferred if it was big close up emotion. And you say, "All right, Clark, this is where you need to really just sell. That you're real willing to cross the line to save the line. This is your Abraham Lincoln moment." Instead, it's just, "Hey, his arm is moving near his <laughs> near his hip, and he shoots her and stuns her." Uh, okay. The older yo-yo tells us that Phil Coulson is dying and she needs to let him as we end the act. Act four takes us to yo-yo asking how Coulson dies. Again, an interesting narrative double down. Elena explaining that uh, Coulson will die and the loop will continue. This is where we get the, uh, the rather horrific reveal as Elena stands her arms amputated and i think that's the only way you can read that um read that scene uh she begs yo-yo please go now and find a different path um (laughs) maybe she could have built up hope for a different path if she didn't continue to say that the loop continues however this notion that colson must die and that continues the loop wait a minute pete what if colson lives and the show continues on with colson hmm Colson always lives, Matt. That's how the show started. <laughs> we don't know how he dies, but it's already begun. They've tried to stop it. Who knows what will be revealed in these remaining 12 episodes for the season, Matt? Possibly the series, if some of the language used in the previews, which Matt doesn't watch, and we'll have some discussion about come Sunday from one of our uh, listeners of uh, Star Trek Discovery as far as the previews was concerned. But um, with this, Matt, and the reveal that this yo-yo, oh no, has lost her arms below the elbow, uh, we have Flint with the helmet on, Iron Man style, with the uh, heads-up display there, head out into space in what was really a nice... Uh, ethereal sequence um, as a montage. Yes, I wonder if this was scripted as a montage or if it was, if it came together in the editing room. And I don't even want to suggest they did a montage because there were story problems. I think some of the problems with this script are just overwritten scenes of lots of dialogue that don't really move the story football forward. This is just lovely. He's out there, Coulson carrying Daisy with May in tow. I mean, our de facto shield first family, if you will. We have Enoch getting on the wrong end of a Kreax. He's sparking and falling. Flint is then creating a rock cluster. Cassius, all of this montage with music and slow motion. Cassius sees Elena um, and, uh, and Flint is continuing to create. Really, really compelling moment to just mix all those emotions together, keep everything independent but interconnected and uh we wrap up the montage in the lower levels of the the lighthouse pete is there hope for this human slave there is because she's been found and silenced by mac as the cree there are suddenly uh looking out the window the one with the painted black eyes uh notices that uh flint is out there and the rocks are coming towards the uh, the window before they get taken out. The rock says, here I come, Cree. 
Um, and uh, yeah, like that that ring of rock death that he has. Um, slight story points off for the fact that all the Kree die off screen. We don't see a stuntman being pulled by a rope that was removed in post-production to be pulled towards. We don't see CG bodies floating in space. We... We save a couple bucks, Pete, in a in a, in, a, in a season, in an episode that's been um, judicious with how they spend their money. So that's all okay because bottom line is they're all dead. And Enoch is prepared to die. Seems he's suffered a mortal wound. Uh, Deke uh, saves him with a gun there, but uh, Enoch has this hole in his gut. What will it take to fix him up? He thinks his best efforts, Deke's best efforts, would be spent repairing that, you know, the smoking wires in the Zephyr 1 that hope to power the machine that will make the portal work. It was around this time that I was realizing that the portal does not need to be by the machine, uh, which maybe it's just me. I had not been entirely clear on that, but they were clearly committing to it at this point. Uh, we go back to the lighthouse, Flint prepping to make the portal while Simmons frees uh, the slave's ear block, which my notes, Pete, say that this is an odd story tangent. I wasn't particularly invested in her, and I want to see all of Cassius's slaves freed, but I realize now that that was just a, uh, that was a Chekhov's ear block device thing so that we can stick it in Cassius in a couple scenes. Stick it in his ear, Matt. <sighs> Um, and from there we, uh, go to that arena, the crater, I believe they called it before, uh, after May had seen Flint and of course he's going to be the one that gets them home. Uh, Mac hears yo-yo, uh, from the, the lower level and sees the, uh, armless, uh, Yo-Yo held at knife point. What what's happened to her? What did you do? He's of course shocked, um, and Casias uh, jumps down there on that whatever he's on thing, Odium, um, and uh, after she's had her throat slashed there, they throw down as we end the act. I appreciate that they go for the um, the visual of of Elena having her throat slit. Um, I think they also cut away exactly when, when they did because probably somebody at Standards and Practices said, uh, you get exactly 1.5 seconds of throat slit and not a second more. So they cut at 1.5 seconds or whatever it was. I want to point out, Pete, notice the construction here. We've been a little rough on old DJ Doyle. Act ends with Cassius ready to fight. New act begins with the fight. Cassius is hitting hard, but he takes hits like a champ. Uh, Mac shotguns the two other guards who had only been there long enough, I guess, to get shotgun at. Um, and Cassius takes those shotgun shots, though, because he, of course, feels no pain. Then we kind of enter a little bit of this fight scene where I just felt like they punch each other for a little while. Yeah, he had told the guards there to take the orchard, slaughter the rest, and he's yelling things at Mac, like wanting to beat his body with his skull. 
back on the Zephyr one, uh, Enoch is convinced the vessel is now too dangerous to power, uh, the, uh, the monolith, but his battery, which is operated for 32,000 years is the next best thing. Johnny five alive, but can Johnny five stay alive? Uh, Enoch is prepared to go down in a blaze of glory. Uh, but Deke realizes that that will also take out the guy pushing the buttons too. Pete, you get the recurring role for a reason, not the season role. Um, Colson gets an update about all of this, albeit without the gory details, because Colson probably would have tried to save the two of them, except Colson doesn't know that these guys are recurring and not, you know, series regulars for the season. Yes, Matt, the guy next to Enoch who flips the switch will be completely atomized. And of course, that's likely to be Deke. Um, he tells Colson they've only got one shot at this and Colson tells him, Hey kid, your parents would have been proud. So Pete back on that, that sumptuous Cassius reception room. Um, it appears that, that Mac and Yo-Yo aren't going to be there quite yet. Time for Flint and the newly freed slave to leave. Um, but again, this question, where are Mac and Elena? We cut to Mac still being badly beaten. Um, now the punches seem to have emotional weight. Um, luckily, though, Simmons arrives to put the silencer in Cassius's ear. He stumbles. We get that POV shot where his vision is obscured as well. And then Pete, climax of the episode, Max axes him through his back to end him. Real Yo-Yo or Yo-Yo Prime or Yo-Yo the First arrives it's happiness all around yeah impaled there similar fate to that of sonara um and young yo-yo seeing all this hugs him so sorry he had to see what he did before it wasn't him but matt it's time to go enoch writhes there it seems this is going to happen sooner than he anticipated um, Fitz says it's too early. He talks to his buddy Enoch, hang on there. Uh, but he's unable to do this. Deke always knew working with them was going to blow up his face. It's about to get literal. Um, and Deke pushes the button. It is clear though, that Simmons, Mac and Yo-Yo are not there yet. We get from Deke, son of a bit flash to white to end the act. Pete. Our much maligned tag scene here, Matt, features Flint and Tess in a trawler talking about how Deke was incinerated there. But, hey, they got back. He just knows it. Uh, Tess believes this is the second chance, a clean slate. And then she hands him the globe. You know, the globe that that guy that we knew for like 10 minutes in the season premiere had squirreled away. Um, and that this is a blueprint, Matt, holding it up there against what's left of Earth. Maybe that they can put it back together. But we'll find out in four weeks. Here's the problem with this scene. I don't give two pebbles about Flint and Tess. <laughs> the actors are perfectly fine. I like the arcs that both have had. 
um, it's great to see to see you know representation of uh, actors of color. It's all they're all positives, but we're not at episode ninety eight because Tess and Flint are great, and the show enters into a pattern where new people are introduced and they're yes. kind of. They're, oh, they're, you mean like Dove Cameron coming in a super secret role in four weeks? Yeah, that that's like that. never been called out in a preview before, ever. Well. My point is this. I'm okay with a cliffhanger tag scene, and I don't even need to understand the tag scene. If you just give me, you know, fade to white, come back, or, you know, fade to white to end the act, come back, it's white, fade to black, and, you know, Colson and company, or just one of them, you know, lands in a dark spot. What's going on? They open the door, and then there's light, and they kind of block their eyes boom cut to the end then it's like the story continues but i don't know where instead pete yes i don't watch the previews but i was so shocked by the awfulness of this tag scene that i stayed for about three seconds after the <laughs> mutant whatever logo that's the joss whedon thing and it's like in four weeks they're back and it's like colson on the street scene and sorry if i'm being spoiler ruiny here i mean not for nothing spoiler free army you know that they're not going to jump to right where they left and you know that they're not going to jump to like the nothingness where sam beckett ended up that was his name in uh that show right pete sam beckett okay so like not for nothing they're probably going back somewhere um so it's like i know that the show does not necessarily control the advertising but here's the result of watching all of agents of shield all the way through including the preview you know they get back to like present day or something. So just show that. I don't care about Tess and Flint. It was a narratively bankrupt tag scene, one that leans way too heavy on our connection to these characters, one of whom has already died. The other got his inhuman powers, I think, 25 minutes ago in real time. And... Yeah, leave us with those. So it was a poor choice. And you know what? After 98 episodes, have they earned a poor choice? They can. Nobody thought they were going to be taking breaks this year until, you know, we were telling you they were three weeks ago. So they got to have something there. That's show business. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, it all begins with Cassius. Cassius, I'm going to assume, is definitely dead for Shorzy. Uh, the show certainly has a habit of, um, I think, not lingering when there's the death of a, uh, of a, I don't want to say mid-level, I don't want to say super-level, like this kind of three-quarter level bad guy. Uh, he's done a very, very good job as a, as a largely interesting character. Maybe not quite three-dimensional although you bring in the daddy stuff and the brother stuff you know i I feel like i understand cassias through and through so we'll call that 3d he's just not a very complex person but he is i think represented as a real person here and now he's apparently dead he wanted to go down in that blaze of glory some interesting language there vague echoes of you know kind of suicide bomber i don't know if the show is going for that full on but i think there is a little whiff there of cassius is so dogmatic in his ways that he he's willing to commit suicide and, and willing to take people out 
and whether they're going for a comment today or they're going for a comment for the kamikaze mindset in World War II or even farther back, it's what the bad guys do. I think that's if there's a lesson, it's that's what the bad guys do. Well, two thoughts. One, the makeup on the eyes, Matt, looked a little different to me in this episode. Like it was more on one eye than the other, which was interesting. And then when you consider that the rage thing that he takes here that, you know, then ultimately leads to him getting in the fight and impaled, uh, made his eyes bleed. Maybe that's just the way that it goes. But then you had the story seeds about his father and, you know, wanting conquest of Earth when it was still whole. So I think we've kind of sprinkled that into the mix for our story going forward as we head in reverse. I imagine we'll pick that up in the theory segment. Of course. Excellent. Well, then who else is on your dossier? Is it Sonara who can't even get out of bed, Pete? It's not, unfortunately, Sonara. It's Ty, Matt, who is essentially cannon fodder. He gets to uh, take this odium. He gets in the fight, and uh, Daisy promptly puts him down there. But it foreshadows what Cassius ultimately does via that enhancement, per- performance enhancement. I'm not quite sure. It is, it's an interesting story decision to have both your mid-story and end-story bad guy do the same thing, which is take the stuff, go crazy, feel no pain, fight, fight, fight. Maybe he's going to win. Maybe he's going to win. Nope, someone saves the day, he loses and gets <laughs> stabbed in the midsection with a blade. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize. Matt, we're back, or are we? Um, here's the interesting story conundrum. You know, okay, so there's less bad blood between Marvel proper and Marvel films and whatnot. I don't expect that Kevin Feige was like, hey, Mo, hey, Jed, come on by the compound this weekend. I want you to read every word of uh, Infinity War Parts 1 and 2, now retitled uh, Infinity War and uh, the Avengers, colon, the funeral of Tony Stark, uh, so I can help you plan out your show. So my point being this, I don't know how Infinity War ends up. I know that there's a Part 2 coming in a year's time, so they don't even necessarily need to wrap up that entire story in this movie that comes out in a handful of months how in the world can shield inhabit a spot now that is leading to this countdown or where things count but you know out of infinity war we're expecting the possibility of time stuff you know the eight years later and all this time stuff that doesn't that that doesn't match up so i don't know where they can inhabit that is safe i thought they went to the future to stay in the future but they haven't apparently I think what they've done, given the more recent lack of connectivity between the TV and the film side in this massive connected universe, is smart in that it's an alternate reality. And 
there are echoes of our reality, but at the same time, they can play around with it and it doesn't have the repercussions that we think. So this idea that Daisy's going to crack the earth into pieces, despite the fact that she went back without her powers, uh, but she's going back to a time when she might have her powers. Yeah, we'll, we'll see, but uh, it, it's, of course, hashtag all connected but right now it's not connected well pete let's cut to the chase here let me ask you this is cassius's dad the big blue threat is it is it thanos are we going to get that confirmed are we going to get that into that is this yet another child of his to to sow mayhem across the universe i don't think it's thanos um could it be someone aligned connected with it certainly could uh, seems like he's Cree. seems like, uh, he's somebody we're going to meet, uh, as this second part of the season, uh, picks up in four weeks. Pete lightning has struck my brain. Did you ever see that show on AMC about like the computer times in the 1980s? And it was all very dark and sad, uh, halt and catch fire. I do not watch it, but I'm aware of it. All right, there was a cat in that show by the name of Lee Pace, a guy who for some reason I don't care for. I don't know why. <laughs> He's a handsome fella. Um, I've just never cared for him on screen. But, Pete, you might remember that he was in another movie called The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume the First. Is it possible, particularly with all some of the time stuff here and whatnot, is it possible in some way that 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 uh, his character of Ronan could be the father of uh, of Cassius. I only mention this because Lee Pace, a guy who did like you know four or five seasons of Halt and Catch Fire on TV, might not be opposed to getting another TV job here as his TV show has ended. I don't think you can rule it out. Um, and from again that connect the dots standpoint it certainly works you don't have to go and get him though in order for it to still take place it it, it could merely be a mention it could merely mm. be oh yes well his father although we did have Cassius family name checked so it, it seems like you know that's the the surname uh, more so than the individual name um it, it could be the case, Matt. It, it could not. We're just going to have to see what kind of surprises they throw at us. But, you know, it, it feels like things are coming full circle. This whole idea of, of Coulson dying, a show that began with Coulson living after Coulson had been dead. It, this, this feels like the end, Matt. So no joke, you are saying that one possible outcome is they have already written the end of the series. They are, that they are planning for this lengthy arc to end with the death of Coulson, period, the end season series finale. I think the plan has been from the time that a fifth season was given was we are on borrowed time. Let's make the most of every episode. Let's plan like this is the end, and if you get more, you get more, and that's gravy. If you don't, you had a great run. 
well, certainly, certainly some, uh, some serious news to think about as we enter the break. Transmissions. Let's check the wire. Pete, we ran a poll when the episode ended. Your choices, four stars, rebellions, and hope. Three stars, good, but dot, dot, dot. Two stars, oh no, yo-yo. One star, my Cassius. And Pete, uh, 5% of people giving it one star. 5% giving it a two star. 15% giving it a three star. Shield fans coming out, representing this episode, 75% giving it four stars. So a uh, hearty response, though we have taken the, the episode to task a little bit with some of the uh, some of the writing choices. Uh, certainly lots of passion amongst the faithful. Let's stick with Twitter, Pete. Uh, we have a tweet from our pal Jamie, who we had the honor of seeing that season uh, premiere with, or the first 20 minutes or three acts or whatever it was, at Madison Square Garden. Had a ton of fun chilling with her. And uh, here's her thoughts on this episode. Was pumped for this episode, but I think it was my least favorite of the season so far. The pacing seemed off. There was so much talk of time being the essence, yet there was a lot of feet dragging and monologue. Yes, Jamie. Also seemed to be stuck in a fatalistic time loop. Bummer. This is what I love about our listeners and this audience. They're not going to be fed something that's not the quality we might be used to and just eat it up and and say, wow, that was delicious. Let's have some more of that. Uh, And Jamie's spot on here. Uh, There was a lot of anticipation for this, although they didn't build it like the end of part one of the season. And I think they were wise not to do that. Hence the surprise of, wait a minute, there's a four week gap. What? But, yeah, she's completely right. Uh, feet dragging, um, the whole nine yards here, and and the effect is you're you're left flat. I I wish that this show had a little bit more of a bounce heading into the excitement of of Black Panther, Matt. The anticipation for that is through the roof right now. After the the red carpet the other day and then i don't know if you've seen on twitter there's this uh, elementary school um i just all, literally just saw an article about that like 10 seconds ago it's awesome these little kids are dancing on tables and things are gonna get to see black panther and hey we're gonna leave you with these two other characters and maybe they'll fix time Particularly with, as Jamie pointed out, with the rigidity of this loop. I mean, obviously they need to break out of the loop, but it, it doesn't have this hope of... I mean, how about this? If you're going to do the loop, why don't you swing free, get free, you know, go back in the past and then go, wait a minute, guys, that video file, are we in a loop? I mean, that, that would have been a great tag scene, but... Right, alas, right. Pete. And I anticipated something like that, and this was just... <laughs> Over to the Facebook, Matt, Julie Hoa writes in, don't get me wrong, I like the season so far, but I believe it's about time that we go back to the, quote, present, unquote, time. I'm getting tired of the lighthouse. Julie, it's it's like they heard you. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
look, I will take this less great pod that we have had. I'll take that versus no shield at all. By mm-hmm. by every stretch of the imagination, none of this has been bad. Not and there's been it. there's been stuff to like about it, but we were so spoiled with the framework pod, and the LMD one was really good. And you know everything of about the fourth season was really really likable. I, I just feel like if this is to be the swan song, we've not hit the zenith yet, and I think that's a good thing. Yes, I like that attitude, Pete, that that the best is yet to come. The past is yet to come. The future is yet to come. A note of optimism there, Pete. And Pete, keeping us optimistic, keeping us going on a day where my throat was kind of shot for a lot of the day. And I said, (laughs) no, Pete, I'm going to keep drinking my hot tea. I'm on my like 12th lozenge of the, the podcast, even though it's starting to make my, my teeth hurt a little bit. We're here for all y'all in the audience, and we are uplifted by all the listeners, and we are kept aloft extra high by the people who visit patreon.com slash fantasticgeek. Absolutely, and I think in particular that we are listener-supported adds an even more important reason, Matt, to, to come with the product and to bring that energy when maybe not everybody does that on a week-to-week basis. But if you head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Fantastic Geek, everybody who contributes gets exclusive podcast content. And then there's all sorts of levels that you'll be able to pick from there. We're tickled pink. You'd even consider it. And we are going to keep chugging along. As mentioned before, we have two episodes of Star Trek Discovery ahead of us. Uh, we have uh, the season one wrap-up of Discovery to look forward to on that feed as well as the Pop Culture Podcast feed. Uh, we have Black Panther. And, I mean, we, yeah, Pete, because we did our homework, we saw this break coming a mile away. And uh, we have lots of good stuff happening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed. So if you're not listening to us there, head on over, subscribe there. You're going to get geeky goodness all four weeks before we return to the mothership Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Absolutely, and we'll bring it all to you. Pete, let's let people bring themselves to you, and you can bring yourself to the people. How can they be in touch with you on the Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,763 followers. Can't be wrong. And Pete, while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you like. We are Fantastic Geek, Fantastic with the P and the H. Send us your theories. Where does pod two of season five go for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Tweet us at Fantastic Geek. Check out our Instagram, which is going to be heating up with some good stuff. That's Fantastic Geek as well. And then, of course, visit fantasticgeek.com. Leave a comment there facebook.com forward slash fantastic geek matt that's where it's all going down we set a fantastic geek record for likes on last week's agents of shield post we need to follow up this week with a new one as aforementioned we'll be back with star trek discovery and other goodies along the way during this lengthy four week break pete We'll be back after the Olympics for more Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And with that, Pete, 
I will say, I know that we can rebuild the world and give you the final word. I envy your sleep. 